You are now listening to the Sincerely Shameless Podcast, where the resilient, relentless, and shameless thrive. What is up, Sincerely Shameless family? What's up, Shameless community? What's up, family and friends? What's up, very unique listeners? What's up, Mexico, Bangladesh, India, Ireland? Those were all the places that... um, when I ran the numbers this morning, said you guys are listening from um, the United States, the UK, all that, all that. You know, geography is not my thing, <sighs> y'all. I last recorded July third. By the time this releases, I think it'll be a couple of days out, maybe. But today, I'm sitting at my desk on July twenty-first, so. What has been up? Can we talk about the lack of consistency I've been dealing with? Can we talk about trying to find a new rhythm and discover there was no rhythm for my new rhythm? So I'm literally just grabbing life by the fingertips, just trying to hold on. Can we talk about my emotions right now outweighing just about everything? Can we talk about not being able to get some good rest, but then finally being able to get good rest and resting abundantly? Is it okay if we talk about restorative faith and realizing that um, faith is a journey all within itself? Did you guys know there's something called false humility? Did you know there was something called false gratitude? Did you know it's probably wrapped up in disappointment because what it looked like ain't what you thought it was going to look like, but it still ain't changed what it looked like. And you still got to go through it. No many, no matter how much you count down the days in sleeping. And I know joy comes in the morning. So if you're anything like me, you probably went to sleep four or five times in one day trying to talk about where. <laughs> what a year, y'all. What a year. What a year. Let me tell you, I just want to have a little bit of Sarah J time with you. Because you'll probably understand what I'm talking about. But when I tell you, if somebody asks me what's next, I'm probably going to flip my coffee over. When I tell you, the answer is, I don't know. So please stop asking. Because the moment I find out, I'll let you know. But let me tell you what I'm doing in the meantime. I'm daydreaming. I'm writing action steps down for what that daydream looks like. And I'm putting my hands to the plow trying to work towards something. Um, It's funny, I used to hear actors say or, you know, famous people say, like, I was just throwing, you know, throwing paint in the dark. And whatever stuck is what stuck. And I used to think, well, how careless is that? What if it's something you don't like? And then you got Prophetess Cardi B, like, if it's up, then it's up, then, and if it's up, then it's it's stuck. So, you know, perhaps people were actually throwing paint in the dark at things they actually liked. And they put every gift they had forward. And the one that, that had the most passion is the one that stuck. So when people are asking me, Sarah, what's next? Okay, you know, you graduated high school, you graduated college, you, you know, you got your first bachelor's, you went and got that um, corporate career, you finished your master's in the midst of a pandemic, you had that second corporate career, you were out here traveling, doing the things, 
you know, having friends over, girls night, game night, now your dad isn't well, you leave the city of Atlanta, giving up everything two times over um, to come live in a meek, and when I say meek, honey, is meek apartment in the city of Dayton where you know absolutely no one. Sarah, what is next? I'm like, honey, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I didn't see this coming. I'll be honest. I didn't see this coming. And so I don't know. But like I said, the one thing that I am doing in a period of uncertainty or um, a lack of clarity is I'm sticking to the basics. I'm doing what I know to do. I'm sticking to the basics, y'all. So that's what's up in my world. That is what's going on. That's one heck of an introduction. But um, if you don't know, now you know. You are now tuning in to the Sincerely Shameless podcast, where the relentless, shameless, and resilient thrive. All right, guys, I am back. Thank you so much for listening to that. And thank you so much for allowing me to have the opportunity to clear with you. And I hope you did some clearing as well. Maybe you 100% agreed with me and you're like, sis, I am in that very season that you're in. Or maybe you're not. And you're like, girl, thank God it's you. Couldn't have been me. (laughs) Or you're probably like, listen, it's sounding familiar. Um, Wise motivational speaker once said that there are three cycles in life that are continual, and it's either A, you are about to go through something, B, you are going through something, C, you are coming out of something, and it's cyclical. So when I heard that, I said, honey, let me get my seatbelt because, whoo. <laughs> so I know last um, episode, we talked a lot about relationship shaming from the aspect of family significant others and friends. And I'm sure that was a little bit interesting because even as I spoke about it, um, I felt the harshness of the reality of this continual feeling of shame, like, oh my gosh, duck my head. But then there was a little bit of liberation because it's like, you know what, now I don't feel this desire to fix people. So um, places or things. But on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about shame in the workplace and um entrepreneurship. I think this is possibly the second largest place that we experience shame in just because um, we have something called titles, like, you know, manager, floor lead, CEO, COO, owner, entrepreneur. And then we have our gifts and our talents. And um, sometimes they can be wired Interestingly, to where you could have the capacity to be the manager, but you are in a floored lead position. And um, with everything being captured and that moment being received as um, a lifetime, I think there's a lot of shame in that. So I'll go into a little bit of what my shame in workplace and entrepreneurship looks like. Um, I didn't really compile any stats just because last year was a pandemic and the numbers was funny. Um, so as you know, and if you don't know, um, 
I went to 30 different schools from elementary to middle school, elementary to high school. I went to about four or five different colleges and I completed my master's at Southern New Hampshire online. Yay, yay. Um, and so out the gate, I just knew I was going to be in a corporate level position. I just knew that. Like you couldn't have told me I wasn't going to be in a corporate level position. I would have looked at you like you were crazy and probably would have unfollowed you on Instagram. As I stand and sit corrected recording from my desk, I am a waitress. And this is me purely being transparent, but also purely being obedient to the season. Um, that's what it is. And there has been times I felt shame because the first thing people ask you is, hey, what is your name? The second thing people ask you is, what is it, what is it that you do? And you know me, you know, I'm a writer. So I was like, shoot, I am, um, you know, a food client expert. They're like, what's that? Like, server. <laughs> But the shame to make something up and make it sound better, right? Um, though people don't understand how much servers really make, there's this over obsession with titles. Like, are you the manager? It's like, no, I'm not the manager because I make more than a manager. So, but there is still this like shame and well, you're just a waitress or like you're just, you know, you know, a um a front counter you know, register run cashier or whatever the case may be. And so I've experienced that. And on the flip side in entrepreneurship, you know, there was so much buzz around if you didn't build your business during a pandemic, you tripping, like you slipping on your pimping, like whatever. And I had a business during a pandemic. I did mask holders during the pandemic and I made decent money. It wasn't anything to retire off of. It it could possibly pay, possibly pay a bill, which was good enough for me because I don't, I've had a couple other bills that just needed to be paid. So if I knock down one, that's a blessing. However, being able to see other people's businesses thrive was kind of shameful. And um, and if it didn't have the look, and if it your Instagram page didn't have the followers, so I guess when I think about workplace shaming, you know, entrepreneurial shaming, um, shaming other people for not being on the level that you are on, shaming other people for, you know, being content with just five customers. I think there's a um, an outward plague of how people view other people and their baseline is what we've seen socially from someone we don't know. And we take that very image and we align it to everybody else, including ourselves and what we're doing. And we place a shame on ourselves if we are not exceeding that. But then we shame others if we are exceeding it. And I like to believe the shame, shameless. You know, when you have been shamed for things, you tend to have a lot more grace and forgiveness when it comes to um, that aspect. So, Experiencing shame in the workplace, <laughs> the only thing I really can tell you is to accept where you are. 
you are exactly where you need to be for exactly what you need to do and to become. And it's going to sound easy coming off um, on this podcast and, and as I say it, but I battled from November to two days ago with being an acceptance about the fact that, yes, I have thousands of dollars in student debt for degrees that society told me would get me thousands of dollars in income, and I ain't seen it yet, okay? Um, and the self-shame is real. You know, not only do you have a shaming happening from not being able to hold up to the outward images that you, you know, take in every single day, um, and then what others have to say about what it is that you contribute to society, but then there's that inward shame on your own self, where self is like, first of all, I can't even believe you wouldn't spend all that money. Second of all, when are you going to use that degree? Third of all, why did you even need it? What did it provide for you? What about now? And um, it can spiral. So um, I guess this portion of the podcast is more so, this is more so a place of encouragement, a place of encouragement and um, a couple of steps in working through that shame from self and from others. Really all all I can really say, because I'm still working through it myself, y'all. I'm still working through it myself. Um, you know, going from having a corporate job, making 50, 60K and being able to travel to being dropped down to making $14 an hour, to not being able to afford rent, to going back up to making 50, 60K with the travel and then being dropped down and making $4 an hour as, as a waitress, plus tips, you know, um, it's the ebbs and flows of life. And that is why you can't write off of titles. That is why you can't believe you are what you do. Um, and that is one, the quickest way to reduce shame is by announcing to yourself, reminding yourself every single day, you are not what you do well. You are not your title. Without the title, you are still expected to function as a prospering human being. And um, the moment that you accept that and the moment that we accept it, the moment that we forgive ourselves for the missteps and we understand that it's all going to work together for our good, you know, that it that no education, no pain, no um, insight, no wisdom, no seasons wasted then I really think we can really reduce shame in our lives. So if I were to give you guys the step-by-step -step pointers, if you are feeling shame about the work that you do, if you are feeling shame about the, the business that you have put all of your money into or all of your heart into, or perhaps the book that you are writing and you can't really put the rest of the words to paper and you're feeling shame about it because you're thinking who would read a story about a, a girl or a boy like me or who would want to take tips from someone financially and I'm struggling too. Like whatever the project is ahead of you, whatever the work 
that's ahead of you or the goals and they sound silly, they feel silly, you feel like you were losing strength along the way, really and truly, there's a, there's a couple of steps. Just know you aren't what you do well. And if it doesn't work out, you're allowed to do it again. And um, a title is simply just that. A couple of letters put together with a rank. That's about it. And um, once you accept those two and you can forgive yourself, then you can truly walk in less shame about what it is that you contribute to society. And we are on that journey together. Welcome back to the second segment of the podcast. This is the segment of a total assumption. This is where we look at instances, moments, thought processes, and we either increase our optimism or increase in cynicism and or the reverse. So this one's kind of a long-winded story. I'm going to be honest. This one's kind of a long-winded story. Um, But in short, I was able to sum it up into a sentence. And it's just because the destination is the same doesn't mean the pace and the path is. So I was talking to a friend of mine and they had announced some really big news to me. I was excited for them that they had gotten into a relationship. I was like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. You know, as as I sit in the 30s club, it's kind of a big deal in the midst of a pandemic with all the social unrest, the uncertainty, a pan- um, did I already say a pandemic? Yeah. And um, social media for two people to decide I'm no longer going to be for the streets. And maybe you weren't even for the streets, but I'm no longer going to be for singleness. And I am going to get with someone. I, I don't know, y'all. Call me a hopeless romantic. I don't know. Call it what you want. Call me a sidekick. I don't know. I was elated to hear this news. I was like, oh my gosh, you're in a relationship? And he was like, yes. I was like, oh my gosh, congratulations. And um, I immediately felt the, you know, Sarah, you could do it too. And um, that was accurate. And the total assumption is, you know, being in the 30s club, you're cute, you're in shape. No, your job is not the best job, but it brings in very decent income. Why aren't you dating? Why aren't you in a relationship? You can do it. And um, that assumption is quite wrong. And immediately um, after the congratulatories and the fanfare, we kind of had a, a healthy little debate about what and why and where I was with the relationships and what was going on. And um, I said a lot, but for the podcast purposes, I will give you guys the long and the short. Basically, I said um, life, relationships, career, business, family, 
singleness is a journey. It is like going somewhere, you know? There are some people who are fast-tracked. They picked out their clothes the night before, they got in their vehicle, and they got on the highway, and they arrived to their destination on time, you know? Basically, they met someone before the age of 25, decided that that's the person they wanted to spend the rest of their life with. They married them by 25, 26. They had their first kid before 30, had their kid right after 30, and they are building what their life looks like and um, working on college funds, you know, fast-tracked. Then you got some people who probably didn't prepare the night before, but got on the highway, got dressed, got on the highway, and... They're, they 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 are experiencing a little bit of traffic. Like I don't know how because they were late, they're experiencing some traffic, but they too got there as well. So they probably met someone around 27, 28, you know, was figuring out their career, kind of figured out their career together, kind of built together, you know, had some kids, maybe didn't have some kids, maybe adopted some kids, but you know, ultimately by 30, 31, 32, they they pretty much set with the kids. Then you got some people who take the senior crowd. This is the community that I belong to, okay? <laughs> I am possibly the president of the scenic route goers, okay? The scenic route people are the people that probably did try to prepare. Walked out the door, forgot their lunch bag, had it run back in. Walked out the door, probably forgot their cell phone, had to go back in. Finally made it to their car, started their car up, realized they ain't had no gas. Got in the car, put, got, got to the gas station, put some gas in there, and decided, you know what? I'm going to take the scenic route because that's just the route I'm going to take. And this is the person who understands that you're going to be doing a lot of stopping and going. On the streets, you got to stop and go. On the streets, when people are walking, you got to yield. Pedestrians are crossing. This is probably going to be the longest route. The scenic route goers are probably going to be late. And that's fine, right? So you got you got your fast tracks, they're early. You know, you got your a little bit of traffic, you know, they're on time. And you got your scenic route goers and they're late. But it's not a matter of early on time or late. It's did you arrive, okay? Did you arrive? We have to stop judging people, shaming people, begging and forcing people to all fast track and look at them crazy when they realize that their their pace and their path is different. We all want to experience joy, okay? That's the destination, joy. We want to experience joy. We all want to experience that with people that we love. We all want to experience a level of intimacy. We all possibly want to be fruitful and multiply, whether that's personally having children, adopting children, or giving your life's work to the masses. And anybody who touched it or came across it or grew from it experienced you, and that is a legacy, that is okay. You know, that is okay. This assumption that we are all trying to get married by the age of before 30 
is a little crazy, right? It's a little bit crazy and it's a little ignorant. So the assumption of everybody that went through, everybody went through the exact same thing, but we all should be able to arrive to the party on time is crazy. For myself, when I say I am the scenic route, it is because there are a lot of layers of things that I want to work on before I present myself as a gift to someone else. That does not mean I'm a bad gift for myself. That means I am still mastering gift giving to myself. And by the time that I get that down pack, then I can in turn give that to someone else. So my ode to you is ask yourself, what is your pace and what is your path? Are you being talked in and out of a pace and a path that you can't keep up? You will burn out. You will be winded. If you are asthmatic, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So it's time that we get very clear with ourselves and we ask ourselves, what is your pace, your pace, not what they want your pace to be, not what you believe your pace should be. What is your pace? What is your path? And then get in the vehicle and go. It's going to be hurtful for some of us because you might have thought you was fast track, but you're really the scenic route and that's okay. Some of us might have thought we was a little bit of traffic and we the scenic route or we're fast tracked and that's okay. The acceptance there is now that you know what your path and pace is, the 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 opportunity to arrive safely has increased. I know mine is scenic. I know I have my seatbelt on. I know that I have so many more lessons to learn before I get to the place of sharing my life with someone else that I have resolved that and I am okay. I bought some fuzzy slippers and a muumuu because I'm gonna have some nights of loneliness and I am okay with that. I have finally resolved that. Because for the first seven years, sister thought she was fast-tracked. And it was not safe. So the assumption of that, just because we all have the same destination, that we all have the same path and pace is incorrect. Give yourself some grace. Ask yourself the questions. Get in the vehicle and go. All right, welcome back to the third and final segment of the Sincerely Shameless podcast. It is Candidly Sarah J. It is the opportunity that I get to be a little bit more candid about the process that I'm currently going through or coming out of or about to go into um, with you all and then offer some tips and resources that I have found either helpful or I have just recently discovered and I'm willing to go on that journey with you. So this Candidly J's topic for this week is restorative faith. And I kind of want to take a little bit of story time to kind of break that down and then I'll offer the tip and the resource. So I am glad you have some more time with me today. So I know in this season alone, I have experienced dreams, goals, hopes, beliefs shattered right before my eyes, um, the scripture board, the vision board, 
Um, the business goals literally shattered right before my eyes. And um, that's not even counting the previous months, weeks, or years, or even decades of the things that I desired, thought, and hoped would happen. So in that time frame, realizing that those things either weren't going to happen or I missed the mark, I remember feeling a bit of nothing. And so recently I um, had a major upset or a major disappointment in my life. And I just remember saying, I am so used to being inconvenienced and disappointed that it is totally fine. And while I was very real with myself, because that is very real, I also realized that it was very pessimistic. It didn't produce opportunity for a silver lining or optimism. It was very much an acceptance to the disappointment and the setback. And again, I felt nothing. And I remember later looking in the mirror and um, anybody who had experienced this would have been had a emo- had an emotion. I mean, truly would have had an emotion. Possibly would have been shocked. Would have been sad. Would have been you know a little you know agitated. I was numb. I was numb because I've seen it so many times. I've experienced it so many times, and each time I've had to pick up my things and go. I've had to be able to move around, move through, move over and go. And so if this sounds familiar to you and you're experiencing a bit of this, it's um, your faith and hope is down. And um, the tall tale sign of that is numbness. When you stop feeling, I don't know about you guys, but I've had some experiences in my life to where, whereas I couldn't grieve. I couldn't process. I couldn't sit down and think about it. I couldn't, you know, take a moment to say, gee, ouch, (laughs) that hurt. You know, it was, okay, cool, that happened. You got to move forward. And um, while that was good, it was good to move forward. I was still numb. And now I'm at the place in my life where I don't have half a tank of faith and hope in a certain area. I don't have a quarter tank. I am not nearing the red line. I am behind the E, okay? It's empty. As in, I don't see it. I don't believe it. Um, I don't believe it for myself. Put it out of my mind because it's more than likely not happening. Um in the area that I experienced my recent um, disappointment was in family and relationship. And to be honest, it wasn't a big shock for me because I've experienced most of them in that area. And I also had to come to grips that this is where most of your um, (laughs) lacking faith and hope is at to the point to where I don't, really see any joy being produced from it. I don't see any peace being produced from it. I just see a lot of numbness around it to where I don't even want to touch it. 
And um, I'm not sure if you've experienced that in your life, but when you are numb to something and your faith and hope dies in that, like it's gone in that area, it's dead. As in, even on good ground, nothing's going to grow because you don't believe that something can grow from it. And um, that is where restorative faith comes into play. And I'm going to speak a little bit about it because I'm actually on that journey right now of restorative faith. And I'll be honest, it sounds like I'll be here a while. (laughs) But what I will say is, if you've lived as long as I have or longer, um, we tend to have a default thinking and behavior. And um, those default thinkings and behaviors may produce the same numbness or we have the opportunity to recreate a different emotion. So the two tips I would like to offer is um, when you realize that you need restorative faith, and that can be in any area, entrepreneurship, business, relationship, family, motherhood, brotherhood, sisterhood, daughterhood, um, work, self, you know, if you just need to restore your faith in yourself, like believing in you again, I think that's really pivotal and really important. Then here are two of the tips, and I'm sure there are many more, but here are the two tips that I am working on. One of them is rest and knowing your truth. We're always very quick to say, you know, be you, know you, know you, know your worth, know your wealth, whatever. When you rest in it, you're not so quick to change it. You're resting in it knowing that I am struggling in believing in being in a relationship. I am struggling in believing that I could be married. I am struggling in believing that it can be healthy. I am struggling in believing that I can trust my decisions. It is resting in knowing that, hey, this is something that I am really struggling with. And then it's a daily gift to God. It's a daily gift to God. You know, I am struggling and believing in relationships, you guys. That is one of my areas that I pray for me. I'm struggling in that. But I also know that there's a purpose that God wants to fulfill in my life. So I can't give it to anybody or anything else. And I simply just say when others ask, hey, Sarah, why are you single? Or, hey, Sarah, why aren't you married? You know, I I simply can say, you know, I really don't believe in the family structure, but it's something I'm giving to God and I'm learning to relearn new methods, new strategies and new ways um, to increase my faith in that. The other one is reset. So with that default thinking and with that default behavior of 20 plus, 30 plus years, it is inevitable to get up every morning and continue to go down the rabbit hole and be upset that you're not seeing the results that you desire. So every morning, I mean, I don't care what time it is, but early morning, early morning, reset and change the thoughts and the behavior. Like, and it's going to take time. It's going to take practice, but you'll have to change it. So if you normally go left, then you say, okay, left didn't yield a result. Let's go right. You'll unlearn that thought and behavior and replace it with something that produces the joy, the peace, the excitement, and the love that you desire to see for yourself. And then that becomes new habit. 
All right. <clears throat> so the tip. Um, okay. So those are my tips. The resource. The resource. I've used it before and I use it again. Journaling. Opening your heart wholeheartedly and just being raw. You know, just saying exactly what it is. You know, today I'm not feeling it. It's the pits. This is whack. But I'm going to get up. I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to try to unlearn some really pessimistic ways about myself and hopes to produce something that gives me or brings me joy. And let that be your journal entry every single day. It allows you to track your process. It allows you to see your emotion on paper. And then it creates room for growth. And so the day that you don't feel like doing it, you can go back and read day 45. Like, you know what? Day 45, I was on fire. (laughs) Day 45, I was ready for life. Let's get back to that. What did I do or what did I experience that day that made me so excited about life and life itself? So that is one of, you know, that's one of the resources. Another amazing resource is prayer and meditation. Sometimes you just have to be quiet. Sometimes you just have to openly speak for yourself to clear your mind, to clear your heart. And you can do that early morning or late in the midnight hour. I do journaling in the morning and I do prayer and meditation at night where I just pour my heart out. Like, this is what I did not like about this day. This is what I loved about this day. This is what I would like to experience more of. And I never, ever want to experience any of that. Those are some of the steps. And restorative faith. And so that is, that's what I've got for you. So in this journey of life and becoming shameless, it's just an additional step we have to take. Thank you so much for tuning into the Sincerely Shameless Podcast, where the relentless, the shameless, and resilient thrive. If you found this podcast episode to be helpful in any shape, way, or form, please be sure to subscribe by clicking the link within the bio and then share with a friend, maybe even a friend of a friend. If you would like to submit any of your total assumptions, please be sure to visit the website theshamelessbrand.com and insert the information into the text box. If you would like to just chat with me in a more personal setting, please be sure to follow me on Instagram at she so with two O's shameless underscore. I look forward to joining you next week. Same time, same place. And remember, be you, be resilient, be relentless, be shameless.